You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's going on? It's your boy Sosa Cremendez, a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. You guys know me, I just finished watching the Los Angeles Rams put together an absolute stinker against the New York Jets, though it does appear that the Rams are still going to find their way into the playoffs in the NFC playoff picture, and that's ideal because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Welcome back to another Monday post-game recap edition of the Locked On Rams podcast. As I mentioned in my intro there, not a pretty game for the Rams, for Rams fans, the coaching staff, the players, really everyone involved with the franchise. The Rams entered this game with a 9-4 record, technically in first place in the NFC West, though they were tied in record with the Seattle Seahawks, who were also 9-4. The Seahawks did play at 1 p.m., they secured their victory, they took care of business, and they improved their record to 10-4. Now, had the Rams won in Week 15, they would have kept the third seed in the NFC, they would have kept the first spot in the NFC West as well, due to the tiebreaker in which they beat the Seahawks earlier this season. So, that obviously did not happen. The Rams lost this game to the New York Jets by a score of 23-20, to worsened their record to 9-5, and slipped from third in the NFC to fifth in the NFC playoff picture right now. Technically, that would put them up against the Washington football team if the playoffs did start today. Now, obviously, there's still two games and a lot more to go, so we won't necessarily dive into the playoff picture just yet. But as of right now, the Rams are second in the NFC West. And they are fifth in the total NFC playoff picture. Not pretty for the Rams. Obviously, this was a huge game, a huge opportunity in which they could have clinched a playoff spot. And they weren't able to do that, which means they're going to have to come back in week 16 in what is probably the biggest game of their season against the Seattle Seahawks. And they're going to have to try and win that game on the road against the Seahawks team that's been inconsistent just like the Rams have been. And ultimately, week 16 looks like it's going to be the week to decide who is going to take the NFC West and who is going to take that third seed in the NFC playoff picture in total. Now, the Seahawks do have somewhat of an advantage right now with their one win ahead of the Rams, but we all know it's going to come down to the next week game. If the Rams can win that game, they essentially have locked up the spot because they will have two games over the Seahawks in terms of the tiebreaker, and that would mean that week 17 would be important because the Rams would still need to win just in case the Seahawks did win as well, to still have a tied record at the worst because the Rams only have the tiebreaker. They don't actually have a lead in the record right now. They're actually one game behind, like I mentioned earlier. So not great. We're going to delve into that stuff later this week, later next week, and really ad nauseum over the next few weeks because it's going to be very important to see who the Rams end up matching up with if they can get in, barring any insane kind of collapse here, into the NFC playoff picture. And with that being said, we got to talk about the offense's performance in this game, the defense, the coaching staff. We're going to delve into all of it, and we're going to begin right now, right here with the offense, and it was not a pretty game from the offense. The first half resulted in only three total points. It was not 
indicative of who the Rams are offensively this season? And actually, maybe it is because I mentioned on Twitter, and I think I still stand by this point, and it's week 15, and the Rams still don't have an identity on offense. They're not a run-first team like everyone claims they are. They're not some like deep-passing offense. They're not a vertical-shot offense. They're not a heavy-play-action offense. They, I feel like they don't even really know who they are at this point. And it definitely, I think, is taking a toll on the offense because they don't really have any package of plays or certain players or certain schemes that they want to dive into when they need plays the most. And I think it's kind of been a theme for the Rams this season. One game, they look like one team offensively. The next game, they look completely different. And as good as that can be, because it does mean you can switch up your matchups and your scheme and all your play calling. At the same time, you have to have some sort of identity, something to go to when you need it most. And the Rams didn't have that in this game. Quarterback Jared Goff didn't play a great game. He went 22 of 34 for 209 yards with two touchdowns and one interception. And another near interception, which was just a terrible pass on a bootleg play. Marcus May essentially had the pick and somehow it just fell out of his hands. And Gerald Everett actually caught it and turned it into a large reception. So that helped the Rams and essentially kept them alive in this game. But not a good game from Goff. He wasn't stepping up in the pocket. He looked confused in the pocket. He was allowing pressure to get to him. One bad interception, nearly another just a very bad performance, and you kind of felt it right out of the gate. He didn't look comfortable, and it didn't seem like it was going to be a good game. Going into the backfield, more or less, it's the K-Maker show at this point, no questions asked. He did get hurt in this game and got pulled and got his ankle taped heavily, but he came back into the game, and outside of him, only two rushing attempts were handed to other running backs not named K-Makers. So, K-Makers had 15 carries in this game for 63 yards for an average of 4.2. The Rams, in total, had a remaining four carries, one of which was to Woods, one was from Goff, one was to Malcolm Brown, and one was to Daryl Henderson. So it's clearly the K-Makers show right now, no questions asked. He actually had a pretty damn good game for a guy who was hurt. And not only that, but he had at least 35 to 45 yards, called back on penalties, which is super unfortunate, one of which was a touchdown and one of which was probably going to lead to a game-winning touchdown at the end there. And unfortunately for the Rams, it took them out of their field goal positioning. It took them out of the red zone, and we all know how the game ended. But again, Cam Akers was running hard. He was showing off his vision, and he had probably about 40 to 45 yards taken off, as well as one rushing touchdown. The board, just simply due to stupid penalties, and that's really the only way you could put it. The Rams were shooting themselves in the foot all game, and it was just unfortunate because they definitely had a lot of juice in the ground game in this one, but it really didn't amount to much because they just would take five steps forward and then 10 steps backward, unfortunately, and that's how the game was for the Rams on offense. You look at their receivers and their tight end group, the pass catchers, and Robert Woods had a great game in this one. He pulled in six receptions on eight targets for 56 yards and a touchdown, and Tyler Higbee pulled in four receptions on five targets for 67 yards and a touchdown as well. Both of these guys had a great game. They were by far the standout performers. And outside of them, no one else really did much, to be honest. Gerald Everett had two catches for 28 yards, but not that great of a performance. Cooper Cup, five receptions for 39 yards. But again, nothing really too important there. The Rams didn't really look his way on third downs and in clutch situations. And maybe that was a fault of their own, right? Maybe they should have. Maybe they would have converted more often and stayed on the field on the offensive side of the ball had they done you know, things like that in terms of targeting Cooper Cup more. But that was clearly not the plan they wanted to go with in this game. And outside of Higby and Woods, really nobody stood out as a pass catcher, though those two players were fantastic in this game. Higby had a very long reception down the middle of the field that nearly went for a touchdown, but he did get tracked 
and caught from behind from, I believe, a cornerback that ran him down. And Woods just, I mean, he was playing hard as hell. He was running the ball effectively at a 40-yard rush. He had 56 yards receiving, like I mentioned. Total 96 yards and a touchdown. He was running hard. He clearly had no interest in losing this game. And shout out to him for showing all that heart in this one because the Rams had no business losing this game. And they somehow found a way to lose it. And a lot of that had to do with the offensive line, who was just absolutely brutal in this game. Like I mentioned, a lot of holding calls, a lot of blocks in the back, which I believe one was on Higby. Silly calls that took yards off the field from the running backs, a.k.a. Cam Akers. And Jared Goff was getting pressured very often in the pocket. He never really got a chance to drop back and just play his game. And that all really had to do with the subpar performance from the offensive line. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to dive into the defense's performance, and it was not what we've typically seen from this defense this season. While we've got you, come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP, and you can find the page at Locked on Rams. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the second segment of the Locked on Rams podcast. Make sure to check back in with us on Tuesday when I deep dive into this performance between the Rams and the Jets, and we're going to share all the interesting PFF numbers that we can dig up from the players and their performances in this game. Now we're going to dive into the defense. As I mentioned before the break, we had to take a look at their performance in this game, and it was a very uncharacteristic performance from the Rams defense as we know they are arguably and for my money at least prior to this game were the best defense in football and I think you know there were some teams that were relatively close in that discussion like the Pittsburgh Steelers for example but I felt like the Rams were seriously the best defense and now I'm questioning that decision because they just allowed 23 points to the Jets now at least some of that came on short fields like the block punt which we're going to talk about later from the special teams but Still, I mean, Sam Darnold put together a 200-yard contest, had a touchdown. Frank Gore, 60 yards rushing and a touchdown. Jamison Crowder, six receptions for 66 yards. I felt like there were at least four or five major coverage busts in this game for the Rams on defense, which is typically not something we see from these guys. They're very sound. They usually do not let guys run around wide open, and that was the case on multiple plays in this game, and specifically on third downs, which obviously is never going to help you get off the field. So that was one huge issue. The next huge issue, the Rams really didn't create any big plays on the defensive side of the ball. There were a few near sacks, but they really couldn't bring Sam Darnold down all too often. Aaron Donald missed maybe two or three sacks of his own. Now Morgan Fox and Samson Ebucom both actually notched sacks in this game, but the Rams were around Darnold a relatively decent amount. They should have definitely had more than two sacks in this game. They couldn't close it out in this one. 
They didn't really force Darnold into any terrible decisions in terms of his passing. No near interceptions, really. No insanely close batted balls or anything of that nature. Just nothing great from the Rams defense in this one. It was very quiet. In the first half, it was very ugly. They couldn't really stop the Jets, which was such a weird thing to say about an offense that couldn't do anything really all season. And then in the second half, we've seen more of the Brandon Staley adjustments, and they did solid, right? They held the Jets to a lot less production in the second half. But at the end of the day, they still allowed a touchdown in the second half, which was the first in the second half in SoFi Stadium this season. I believe in 35 drives, that was the first drive that they actually allowed a touchdown on in the second half in SoFi. So that is pretty you know, outlandish to say about the New York Jets being the team to knock the Rams defense off in that feet. Not great. And then you actually look at the individual performers and there wasn't really any crazy standout performers. I felt like the middle of the defense was a massive, massive liability. Inside linebacker Troy Reader, he and Kenny Young were just allowing a lot of dink and dunks across the middle of the field. The Jets had a ton of free production, what felt like at least on the first two drives, and then later to ice the game to their running backs as well, which kind of falls on the inside linebackers and the safeties of the Rams. They just kept letting these guys catch passes, and that's why Ty Johnson came away with six receptions on six targets in this game for 39 yards and a touchdown. And then Frank Gore had the kill shot, essentially the one reception for six yards to end the game. Seven receptions to running backs, that is just way too much. You can't allow that. It was literally free yardage. Sam Darnold didn't even have to push the ball in this game. He was taking his little five and seven and 12 yard free plays, essentially, basically handing the ball off to these guys. I mean, there were coverage breakdowns, like I mentioned, everywhere. And it was just ugly. I mean, nobody stood out in this game. Darius Williams was beat for one catch that I recall off the top of my head. Now, Jalen Ramsey had a nice splash play where he slapped the ball down, I believe, at the line of scrimmage in the fourth quarter. But again, just not really all that much. That pass deflection was nice. Leonard Floyd had a pass deflection as well. And the last pass deflection from the Rams came from Troy Reeder in the red zone inside the five-yard line. I believe he was in man coverage against the tight end. And this was actually a very nice play in coverage. He dove and just batted the ball away on third down, and the Jets had to settle for a field goal. So that was nice to see. But outside of that, man, there was really not that much performance from these guys on defense. I felt like they were a step slow, really in diagnosing everything in this game. Nobody came away with any huge plays in this one. Aaron Donald, he was in the backfield a little bit here and there. He did get himself a tackle for a loss. And like I mentioned, he did get close to notching maybe two, maybe three sacks even. But Again, he couldn't really pull anything in, unfortunately. You look at the guys around him, no one really had all that much production. Morgan Fox got one sack, like I mentioned. That can almost be attributed to a guy like Aaron Donald because he did get doubled on that team, and I believe it did come on a stunt. So obviously Aaron Donald played a large part in that. But again, just no real production from anyone here. These guys were all quiet, though I feel like they did a decent job in this game. Now, 23 points to the Jets is just too much. I understand the points aspect of it. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters is the points, right? But you look at Frank Gore, he averaged only 2.6 yards per carry. That is absolutely brutal. You look at Sam Darnold, he averaged 3.6 yards per carry himself. Not good. Ty Johnson, 5.3, which is decent, but only on three carries. Sam Darnold only had 200 yards passing. And their leading receiver in this game was Jameson Crowder with 66 yards. So it wasn't a ton of production there. I feel like the Rams just kind of gave them some short fields, and that's 
something that the Jets need to be given credit for is that they capitalized early in the game on short fields and things of that nature to give themselves a lead. And that's what they did. And they essentially held on just long enough because I feel like the Rams would have definitely came back and won this game. And they probably should have, you know, had they not had all those holding calls and various stupid calls on offense that resulted in penalties and killed drives and took points off the board. It just felt like the Rams ran out of time, right? It felt like the Jets had done enough in the first half to give themselves a lead and then packed on a tiny bit more production in the third quarter and were just kind of running the game short. And the Rams ultimately didn't have enough time to come back and complete the comeback. And I feel like they just simply ran out of time in this game. And that's what happened. I felt like the defense played a lot better in the second half. But at the end of the day, 23 points to an offense like the Jets is just not acceptable. It's simply too much. And I think a lot of that had to do with coverage breakdowns in the first half. You've seen it multiple times. You've seen it in the second half on a third down and short to Jamison Crowder, where he comes across the line of scrimmage in motion and runs a simple flat route beside a receiver that's running a slant. I believe it was a slant flat combo. And again, wide open. Nobody traveled with him to that side of the field. Jamison Crowder catches the ball, converts a third down, gets a free 10 to 15 extra yards on that drive. And that's how the Rams were incapable of getting off the field in terms of their defense. And that's just something they got to clean up moving forward. Obviously, they got a way tougher offense in the Seattle Seahawks coming next week. And they can't afford to have all these breakdowns and give away free yardage, free plays, and free first downs. They got to find a way to tighten back up, get off the field, and start to create those splash plays once again that make the job easier for the Rams offense, as well as Sean McVay calling the plays. Coming up when we return, we're going to dive into the performance of the special teams, and they had something happen in this game, which was very strange that we haven't seen in what felt like forever, as well as the performance of the play callers and coordinators and coaching staff. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer, There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Make sure to tap in and check in on some NFL games of the week in Week 16, like the Rams and Seattle Seahawks contest that could very well decide the winner of the NFC West. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get on on the action and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner on Twitter at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account now. The wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team division by division from all 30 of our Locked On local experts. Plus, waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from rejecting the screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this post-game Monday edition of the Locked On Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for sticking around with me this long. I'm sure it was a tough episode to get through. Probably less tough than the game yesterday, but hey, that's the way things work in the NFL. It's never a gimme. You got to be ready to perform. And the Rams came out flat. They looked embarrassingly bad and they stunk up the joint and they took the L and they dropped to nine and five in terms of their record. And like I mentioned before the break, we got to talk about the special teams 
as well as the coaching staff, because I feel like they're going to be under a ton of heat right now and really over the next few days, and deservedly so. You just can't lose to a freaking own 13 team, a team that has no business winning. I mean, the Jets, for all intents and purposes, were ready to just hand in the Trevor Lawrence card, not even show up for the rest of their games this season, and they somehow went on the road into SoFi Stadium and beat up on the Rams. I mean, just terrible. I thought the coaching staff didn't do a great job. Sean McVay's play calling was subpar in my opinion. I felt like they got away from the running game way too often in the first half, and I understand some of it because they just couldn't extend drives. I mean, it felt like the offense was out there for two plays, three plays, off the field, boom, and they wouldn't be back on for 10 minutes, and then when they got back on, it was more of three and out, off again. So I get it. There was no rhythm. There was nothing really to establish there, and it was tough to get anything going offensively, never mind the run. So I do get that part of it, but again, I want to see the run earlier in the game. I don't know why they waited so long. I would have tried to establish K-makers right out of the gate and then started to run a lot of different concepts off of that, like play action and bootlegs and things of that nature. But the Rams didn't do that, and maybe that's why they sucked on offense. But you look at the defensive side of the ball, same thing. Slow in the first half, not great. They kind of adjusted in the second half there and started to play a lot better. But again, just not good enough. The Jets are not a team that you should be giving up 23 points to, and that is just way too much. So Brandon Staley's guys trending downwards right now, but I have a feeling they're going to bounce back real quick and real good. And week 16 is typically the kind of games against the Seattle Seahawks that they like to bounce back and put together strong performances. So hopefully we get to see that next week. With that being said, the last part of this game that we got to dissect is these special teams units. And I still don't know how John Bonamago has a job at this point in the season, man. His special teams units suck. I mean, they're terrible. Let's just be honest here. Matt Gay had a good game. He went two of two on field goals and two of two on extra points. He's been solid as a kicker for the Rams, and he's going to be their guy moving forward. Good stuff. You look at the punting team, and Nick Scott was not in this game, and he is typically the personal protector on the punt team. And ironically enough, he was ruled out of this contest, and boom, the Rams get a blocked punt for the first time in what felt like literally five years. Not good. It gave the Jets free points, essentially. They just scooped up the ball, were in great field positioning right from there, and they scored on that drive. So not good. You look at the kickoff returns, two returns for an average of 24 yards from Simba Webster, not great, but he did have one nice punt return with a long of 34, which was the good punt return that I'm talking about. Unfortunately for him, he got caught by the last guy, the punter. You got to house that one, and if he houses that one, the Rams take the lead at the end of the game and probably win. Missed opportunity, but it was nice to actually see a spark on special teams for once, but again, the block punt Huge momentum shifter for the Rams. Huge L, really, for the special teams unit. You never see Johnny Hecker's punts get blocked, and he gave the Jets three points, and ultimately those three points were enough to have the Jets come home and fly back home with a victory in this game, and that's not good enough. And I think John Bonamago is absolutely on a burning seat right now, never mind the hot seat. I think he'll probably make it through the season just because the Rams don't have a great replacement at this point in time but I don't know how he comes back next season as the special teams coordinator. Thank you guys for tuning in on another episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. This was your post-game recap edition, and unfortunately, the Rams dropped this one, but make sure to check back in with us on Tuesday when we deep dive into this contest. Just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP, and you can find the page at Locked On Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.